to the Spiritual Recovery Workshop. My name is Ella. I'm a compulsive overeater and your moderator for this meeting. Please join me in the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Before we get started, we ask that all cell phones or other electronic devices be turned off now. This session is being taped, so um, there's a speaker release form right here, and when you get up to share, uh, please sign it. To protect our anonymity, no photography, audio, or visual recording is allowed. The opinions expressed here today are those of individual OA members and do not represent Region 2 or Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. The format for this session is as follows. We will have three speakers who will share for 20 minutes each, followed by three-minute open pitches until the end of the session. The topic for this session is spiritual recovery, light at the end of the tunnel. I will now read from the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous, pages 99 to 100. We who once suffered from complete powerlessness to control our eating and our lives have now discovered the saving strength of a power greater than ourselves. We have experienced the miracle of physical, emotional, and spiritual healing just as we were promised when we began these steps. For most of us, the central factor in this spiritual awakening has been our decision to trust a higher power with every aspect of our lives. In acting on that decision one day at a time, we have learned a whole new set of skills for living, which enable us to clear from our lives everything which might interfere with our trust in this higher power. Now we know we don't have to fear anything that comes to us. Even when things happen to us we don't like, we know we have a way of facing each situation squarely and sanely. We have seen that our higher power will reveal something of value to us with every experience as long as we continue practicing this new way of life. Our first speaker is Carol from Anaheim. That's the unwritten law. Okay. So it's 20 minutes. So give me. My name is Carol, and I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, Carol. I came to this program in 1970. uh, About, I think I heard about it or came in February, but got abstinence in March, about about the 23rd of March. So I take that day because I didn't count those days in those days. Uh, and uh, went on to abstinence then. And so um, I lost 66 pounds, maintained it mostly through uh, to menopause, and now I've been maintaining a 
probably 35 to 50 pound weight loss, depending on what year, what time, whatever. But I haven't gone back to compulsive eating. I, I dropped, I put the pork down when I came in the program. I was ready, like the dying, like they say in the, in the literature. I was ready to die and follow anything. Nothing was worth it. Nothing mattered. I was done. And um, I was done with diets. I was done with um, counting calories. I was done with worrying about what it was. I was done. So done. And I was done with paying things. I, my, my story talks a little bit about how I went to Weight Watchers, and it was 25 cents a meeting, and that was humiliating. I, said, I went home and said to my God and my understanding at the time, which I still is my God and my understanding, but a little bit more clear, um, is that I said, I'm not doing that. I'm just not doing that. So um, when, I, when I first came to program, I read an article, a newspaper article. And in the newspaper article, there was a picture of a, a woman with, a, with her clothes. You've seen these now a lot of the time, but 44, 42 years ago, it was really a, an anomaly where you had this lady that she had her big pants and then her small body, and um, it said free on there. And I said, Uncle, okay, I will give it a try. I will prove that this program doesn't work. I will do whatever they suggest and prove it doesn't work. I was very good at compliance. I was not very good at obedience, but I was very good at compliance. Well, it worked, <laughs> fortunately. So, um, fortunately, because at the time I didn't really matter, right? Um, so I'm telling you a little bit about my background so that you, maybe you, some of you might under, uh, identify and maybe you aren't, then go listen to somebody else that you might identify with. Um, but I came and I picked up the kit of, stool, kit of tools. <laughs> now, what I heard when I came in was that I heard from, see, we had a lot of AAs at the time that were helping us learn our program because we didn't have our own literature at the time when we were using the big book and the 12 and 12. And we had a lot of wonderful AAs that had come to OA and that were helping us adapt that. And they said we have a physical allergy to certain foods followed by a mental obsession that said we could eat it just a little. Now, I understood about allergies. I had brothers and sisters that were allergic. My brother's in his mid-50s, 60s, mid-60s, and you still, you put certain foods on his plate, and his eyes water up, and his hands start crawling, and he is allergic to certain things that he will die with. So I understood the idea about allergies. I didn't quite understand about the obsession, but I really understood about allergies. And I knew that once you filled that bucket up, and you went over the bucket, it spilled over, and there was no coming back. Mm -hmm. So um, I was able to pick up on that one. I also liked the idea of the gray sheet. Uh, you guys, that's supposed to be a forbidden word, but the gray sheet was wonderful for me because I had a nutrition book. I was a nurse. I had had one whole semester of nutrition, <laughs> more than most medical people still have today. And I had a teacher, a wonderful teacher from India, that talked about naturalists and natural eating and things like that, and it was a wonderful, wonderful class, one of my favorite college classes. And so I put that book out, and that gray sheet had nothing wrong with it. It was balanced, except for the carbs that I knew I couldn't eat. I already knew that. I'd known that for years, that those I was so oversensitive. And I found out later why. Everybody in my mother, dad's side of the family are diabetic, um, starting with my grandmother and um, going on down into cousins, I guess, now. Oh, yeah, cousins that have died of this disease. And usually how I found out about that was that they had a leg cut off or an arm cut off, and that's I heard that they had diabetes. So there, there's a, it's, a, it's a lot of history. I don't have that problem today. My blood sugars range in the 70s, 80s, and fasting. That's wonderful. I don't have to worry about that because I work this program. Um, so anyway, well, I, I just want to tell you a little bit how I started. So I got a sponsor. 
Um, you know, my first sponsor that took me through my first three steps couldn't make this program, and she killed herself. She could not stop, put the sugar down, and she was having so many other problems with it, and she didn't have any help. They have help for that today, uh, hormonal problems, um, but she couldn't. But fortunately, there were other people in the meeting, and I have to laugh because in my meeting, when I first came to meetings, I didn't get to speak unless I went to a podium, and I didn't get to speak unless my sponsor approved it. I was absent 30 days, and they invited me. I didn't get to raise my hand and say, I get to do this. They invited me, so I had to sit there and wait for 30 days to be invited. Um, I, and I love, uh, I love that. Um, for me, that was the perfect thing. That was the, what worked for me. And the, and the, and the, uh, going back to the ready sheet, that gave me a plan that tells me that I was eating enough or not eating too much. And it didn't matter at first. I had weight to lose. And when I got to, down and lost that weight, then I had maintenance. I had a sponsor that helped me work through maintenance. And what she did is we just fill in that food plan, and we added the things that we needed to add until I wasn't gaining. Uh, it was very simple, very simple. And um, it left a lot of things not for chance for me. If I get choices, too many choices of things, I, I have a lot more, a harder time making the best choices. So um, I'm, I'm saying this, and I'm telling you a little story about how I'm getting to the 12th step, because when I started working the program, they talked about attraction rather than promotion. And I was never a good promoter. Um, my idea, I mean, I'd have parties in my house like, like um, Tupperware parties and three people would come or no people would come. I just was not a good attractor of people to go do anything with. And so um, uh, I thought that was a pretty good idea. But I had no idea what attraction meant. I just was doing my program. And what I got to step 12, I go, oh, I don't think I'm going to be able to do this step 12 because I'm going to have to go out and promote people. They said, no, it's not promoting, it's attraction. And so, um, so what I found out about the 12 step is that when I work my program and you see any recovery in me, you are attracted to that. And then you want to do that. And then you pass it on to someone else because you get that energy and other people are attracted to it. That's what it's all about. And I'm sure negative things can be attracted to as well. Um, I didn't get to step 12 in every area of my life right away. I've been doing this for many years, and I still have a few little places that need some help, and I'm working on those. Um, I have a sponsee that says, I am so glad you keep having to work on things. And it gives me hope. Um, but basically in the 12th step, when I, first, when I did the 12th step, and I had the experience of, um, of having attracted somebody to the program or had people at meetings like you're doing nodding your head you identify you understand then I understood what the concept was all about and uh, and then and then I had done the 12 steps and then my sponsor said okay now we're going to start applying to the rest of your life and that was a whole different story and I you know I started with my responsibilities to my family um the big book and the literature, the literature we had, the AA literature we had at the time, um, it talked about going home and taking care of your family and being responsible and, you know, showing up and doing the things like washing the dishes and making the beds and writing out the checks and doing the ironing and, baby, you know, taking, making sure my kids were safe. So, so the, some of those things I did more than go to meetings because we only had a few meetings in Orange County at the time. We had a small little meeting on Saturday morning that I went to. Because if you only have to go to church once a week, then you only have to go to a meeting once a week. Because I thought this was a moral issue. I didn't know that when I came in. I was raised that gluttons were morally uh, debauched or whatever. So I didn't think of myself as a glutton particularly. But obviously, 
when I was eating too much, obviously when I couldn't weigh the way I wanted to weigh, there was some problem there, and I didn't know. I didn't understand that. So God takes us where my higher power, your higher power, but God takes me where I need to go, and he's gentle, 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 gentle. So these 12 steps are working in my life, and I'm having awarenesses little by little as we go along. And so I got to join other 12-step programs because of that. Um, there's, there, there, and that's the way you know it works, I suppose. Anyway, I wanted to talk a little bit about the fact that um, I have no idea of the time, but um, ah, going on, moving, moving, moving. Um, so basically, that was the first part. Of, okay, the, this, they, I was told that. So I was told that I had an allergy of the body and, a, and a, an obsession of the mind. And I to- was told that there was a spiritual solution. I never told. I was told at the beginning. I never heard in the beginning that it was a spiritual problem. I heard that it was a spiritual solution, and that they gave us a kit of tools. And so that is how I approached it. And I do believe that po- the God of my understanding brought me to Alan OA, brought me to the twelve steps in OA, because I needed help. I didn't know how to do what I had been taught and how to live it. I knew what it was supposed to do. I didn't know how to do it. And the God of my understanding was so loving that he provided a way for me to unhook or bridge that gap that I couldn't seem to bridge. And what I learned when I came in and after I learned was that I was not God's grandchild. I was God's child. And so I learned a lot, a lot, a lot of things over the period of years about these things. And so um, um, that... That's how I learned that this is a kid at the spiritual tools. And then, you know, after a while, you go um, to hear some great religious speaker, and you hear all the 12 steps in the tool. I mean, that, that was always, or I'd go to church on Sunday, and I'd hear the 12 steps going on. I'm going, oh, my gosh. Or i go to some different religion that I'm not, and they would be talking about the spiritual tools. And I said, well, gee, that sounds interesting. So basically, it's, it's, this program has helped me pick up that kit and use them and utilize them. And fear of food was removed. Um, I don't think about food. In fact, sometimes when I go to meetings, especially when there's people that are newer, I have to refer back to the food because those aren't the things that – I don't want to get to the point where I'm over there opening the refrigerator before I deal with something. If I have a niggling feeling and I'm angry or I'm resentful, it's time to take care of it now, not to take care of it when I'm opening the door and everything looks good and it's all old, rotten, out-of-date food. So um, – that, that is a gift that, and I, I made a decision. I made a choice to try to work on that. It took me years to understand I wasn't trusting my higher power. Years. We were doing a little uh, 12 and 12 down in, um, in Anaheim on Monday nights, a long time ago, and we were going through the, uh, the 12 and 12. We went over it over and over and again for a good five years, and every time someone new would come in and say, let's change the format, we'd all vote, and guess what? This is what we did. And um, we went over and over and over, and that's when I learned a lot of things. I learned that I wasn't trusting my higher power. I didn't know that. I didn't think he was big enough to take care of what was – because my parents hadn't been able to take care of. I, I learned well early that it was better for me not to let them know how I feel because if they let them know how I feel, they'd try to change me, manipulate me, move me, and I didn't want to be done that way. So that was one of the things I learned. I also learned in this book about mercy toward myself. 
I was very good at learning how to be kind and, and open-minded to all the rest of you. You could all do what you think you had to do. I made it, didn't, maybe I didn't agree with you, but all, you could all be who you were, but I couldn't be who I was. And so this program helped me learn about But I had been in the program 20, 30 years before I learned that. So you don't get it all in one day. You don't get it all in one year. <laughs> you get it by keep coming back and working the program to the best of your ability by working with others, by uh, and service is a very good way, and that 12-step is service. But service is simply just showing up. Service, you guys did service to me by nodding your head and smiling. I felt somebody identified with me. And that really means an awful lot because I tend to live in a world of isolation where nobody knows where I am or where I go. And uh, I can be very, very showy. But inside, it's very, very hard to let you guys know how I really feel and what I really think on any given day. And so... Um, that's simple. The other, the other thing I find for me, I'm an old-timer, so I show up at the meetings just because I'm an old-timer, not because I have anything good to say or, or anything, just because I'm an old-timer. There's nothing wrong with that. I take on service positions in my group. I like to give them to the newcomers, but sometimes, like on our group right now, there's only two of us that are able to do the treasurer. Two or three of us are able to do the treasury because everybody else is so new, and they come in and they go, and so there's no consistency. So I take, on, I take on that, and I get involved in, serva, in service, um, obviously outside of the level. Um, and I do what I can, what I can, with what I can. And I try to take direction. And most of the time, my sponsor is saying, why are you doing so much? Why don't you just slow down? Um, or she'll say, oh, looks like you're taking on too much again. So basically, I have to, you have to find out where you are and then go for where you are. I might change in two or three weeks. might change in two or three years. It, it depends. Um, this, pro this program is a program you don't ever have to graduate. You don't ever have to graduate from. And I like to go to school, so it would be nice to get, you know, get another degree over and over again. I've done that twice in the program. So um, those who know me know, understand I have this obsession for going to school. Um, time? Ah, okay. Anyway, I didn't know when I came in this program that I, this would be such a life-changing program. I had no idea anything about 12 steps or 12 steps programs when I came in here. I had no understanding. I, um, I am, I'm just overwhelmed and, and I'm blown away that I had got given such a good chance. My go, I was a going, as a going concern, I was a failure, total failure. Um, I felt my life was over. I had, um, a family, a husband and family and children, and I uh, was very well blessed and wasn't happy. I was very, very well blessed. In those days, we had a, two cars, a house, a dishwasher dryer, and a washing machine, no, a washer dryer and dish, dishwasher, and I wasn't happy. I had all those things. They weren't very, I mean, I wasn't very fancy, but I had everything, and I wasn't happy. And this program has turned that around. I was 90 years old when I came in this program. I was 26 and a half years old. And um, I'm not 90 years old. In fact, I have a hard time remembering that I'm as old as I am. Um, I keep forgetting, you know, I keep looking at new ideas of things to do, and I'm thinking, oh, that would be fun to try. And I realize that that's what a 20-year-old should do, or a 30-year-old should do, or maybe even a 40-year-old should do, but not for a 60-some-year-old to do. Um, I'm very, very grateful for this program. I'm grateful for all the teachers that I've had. I'm grateful that with this much of willingness, this much, I, turned, I put the key in the lock, and that was enough to open me up so that I could hear what my power had in store with me, and all those things. And as far as my faith, it's been di I changed from a little girl who did what mommy and daddy said to a woman who makes my decisions. 
my higher power hasn't really changed. I've changed. I've grown. I'm growing up. I still have more to do. I'm the big book. Uh, the literature. I know we go back to the. I go back to the big book a lot because that's where I teethed on it. But the literature does talk about being open-minded to the people, the spiritual people, to those people that are that are uh, spiritually or even socially or or successful people. What do they do? How do they do it? And listen and learn from that. Be open to some of those things. Because I wasn't open to those things when I came in. I was terrified to death. I was afraid to take a deep breath because I knew how powerful God was. And he, and he might just take my breath away. And I was terrified. And this program has opened me up. And um, I very, very rarely, ever, ever, sometimes I get irritated and forget to ask his help. But he even helps me get to places on time. It's wonderful. Anyway, thank you very much. next speaker is Julie from San Jose. I'm Julie. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi. Hi. It's so nice to be here. Um, and I, I'm very, very pleased that I was asked to, to share. It's an honor. Um, I have to repeat a little bit of the disclaimer. Um, when I share, it's it's completely my story. It's my experience. Um, I have no intention of trying to say that this is what anybody else should do. There are no shoulds in this program. We define our own path to spirituality. And there are lots and lots of suggestions and we get to select which work for us. So in my story, I, I really want to emphasize that this is, this is what works for me, and this is how I've um, worked on my spiritual recovery. I became into program on April 3, 1993. Um, I, I knew I had a problem with food, and I've no, I'd known it for a long time. But I had gotten to the point where I was eating food that would hurt me. It hurt me um, physically, severely. Um, and I knew I had done it to myself by overeating for so many years. But I was eating food that I knew was going to hurt me, and I couldn't not eat it. And that's where I hit bottom. I was raised with religion. Um, my family was a very devout Roman Catholic family, and my, we went to church a lot. We observed all the traditions and the sacraments and all that kind of stuff. I don't consider myself, a, quote, having to recover. I'm not a recovering Catholic. I no longer consider myself Roman Catholic, but um, I, I feel that that background gave me something to stand on when I start talking about spirituality. It, it's, it's there. Um, so from my very first meeting, I'm sitting there. I'm sitting in the back. I didn't talk to anybody when I came in. Um, and a voice in the back of my head said, 
if, if you're going to be a member of this fellowship, you, I'm talking about myself, you have no business eating chocolate. Chocolate is my drug of choice, and it is a primary gateway drug for me to all kinds of other kinds of compulsive overeating behaviors. So I am very, very grateful to be able to claim 19 years of perfect <laughs> abstinence from chocolate. My food plan has changed. Sometimes it's been more successful than others. Um, I'm not where I would like to be physically right now. And because of medication and aging, <laughs> I'm, I, you know, it's a struggle. And again, so this is where I need to turn to my higher power. And I turn to the words of this serenity prayer. I have to accept the things I cannot change. If I could stand on a scale and make that number go down, I would. I cannot change my weight. I can change what I eat. I can change how much exercise I do. I cannot change my weight. So um, one of the things when I first came to program is, and we, uh, you know, I had hit bottom. I knew I was powerless. So here comes step two came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. I had a, I mean, I had a, a, a concept of God, and I had to pretty much throw it away. The, um, there was a, a God in my life, but he was way out there somewhere. And apparently, he had not, didn't have the power to change me because I, here I was in a 12-step program um, at my bottom, despairing of what I was going to do. I was in despair. That means there was no God in my life. So I, I slowly over time started defining a new concept for my higher power. And one of the very first things I had, and I like to work in metaphor, um, was that God was like a big universal blanket. And everybody had a part of the blanket. And everybody could have as much of the blanket as they wanted. And you could sit on top of the blanket. You could wrap up in the blanket. You could gather more. It was infinite. There was no limit to this blanket, and everybody had some. And I had holes in my blanket. There were holes. And I realized that my job, especially through the 12-step program, was to start repairing those holes. And so I've done a lot of work on that. I had, I had some pretty big tears in my, in my blanket. And it was thin, thin. Um, kind of stingy, and I had to start gathering more of it. And so a lot of those holes are, are really well woven together. You can hardly see them anymore. And then there's a hole that I have a really fancy patch. I've embroidered that patch. I've added beadwork to it. It's there. That, that patch now, that patch, is with me. It's, it's part of me, and it's, it's a part that I, I work with all the time. 
and I'm aware of it now, and I remember. So that, that's evolved a bit. So, that, so it's gone now from where um, the God of my understanding isn't out there anywhere, and it's not, it doesn't have a gender. It's not female or male. It's, it's a spirit. It's power. It's a feeling. And, I, and it's in me, it's in everybody. And when I look for evidence of God in my life, I see it when I look in the eyes of another friend, another program member, uh, a newcomer who's, who's just dissolving in my arms in their own despair. That's, that's my higher power. When my higher power brings people like that into my life, I know that higher power is there. How else do I know it's there? I don't know if you've had the experience, but every once in a while, I'll look out, whether I'm driving or riding in the car or just walking somewhere, and I will be struck by the incredible beauty of my surroundings. It, it, and it sparkles. One of my favorite times to see that is when I'm driving home in the evening and the sun is very low when there are dark clouds, right? The, the sky is sort of dark gray and there's clouds. And the sun hits the branches of the trees and they glow. They glow. That, that's evidence of my higher power for me. I, I read a poem, a, a piece of literature, I hear another speaker, I connect with somebody, and I know that there's higher power there. I know it's there. I don't, I don't lack for evidence of higher power in my life. I want to um, just transition a little bit and read you a p- passage from the big book that when I read this the first time, it was... It was talking to me. This is my passage. It's from the chapter, The Family Afterwards. We are sure God wants us to be happy, joyous, and free. We cannot subscribe to the belief that this life is a veil of tears, though it once was just that for many of us. But it is clear that we made our own misery. God didn't do it. Here's my motto. Avoid, then, the deliberate manufacture of misery. But if trouble comes, cheerfully capitalize it as an opportunity to demonstrate his omnipotence. When I read that, and my higher power let that penetrate past my brain and down into my heart, I, I, this was me, I, when I'm being miserable, I'm doing that to myself. There's a famous quote, and I I believe it's by Edna St. Vincent Millay, that says, Pain 
is inevitable. Suffering is optional. I experience pain just the same as anybody else does, but I try through connecting with my higher power to avoid making myself miserable. One of the really important parts of um, my recovery came when I finally got the fourth step. I'd been working on it for months and months, years I worked on it, and I couldn't get it. And it was extremely frustrating to me. I'm, I'm a pretty good student. I have been all my life. And I'd been a professional technical writer for, for what, 15 years when I was try- first trying to do my stuff. I couldn't put, I couldn't create those columns. I could get some of them, but I could not fill in those tables. I couldn't do it. And I tried. I, I, I went to retreats. I tr- talked to, I did whatever I could to try and figure, figure it out. Finally, when I got it, the, the part that was really causing me trouble was, what was my part, right? I'm listing all my grievances. I'm able to tell my story. I can tell you what part of me that hurt, but I can't tell you what my responsibility was. I was a child. How could I have any responsibility in that? Well, I had responsibility for holding on to that resentment for 40-some years. There's my responsibility. And I was working through the steps. I I was getting divorced from my first husband. And I'd worked through it. I, you know, I'd done the, I'd made my amends. I told him I was sorry for my part, whatever that was. And, um, yeah. And I couldn't, I couldn't get past it. I still, I tried as hard. I made my living amends was not to say bad things about him anymore, not to, to talk nasty about him anymore. And I would have to clench my teeth and choke it back. It was still there. That resentment was still there. And so in taking responsibility for my part, I started working on um, forgiveness as an important, a critical aspect of my spiritual recovery was finding forgiveness. If I am carrying a resentment, I am walling off little parts of my heart to my higher power. Every resentment that I continued to carry in my brain, in my body, it was in my body, I could feel it was a part of me where my higher power could not penetrate. There were little spiritual infarctions that killed part of my heart, part of my soul. They were holes in my blanket. And for me, the only way to get past resentment was to find forgiveness, true forgiveness. And one of the hardest things for me of all was finding forgiveness for myself. And I still struggle with that, and I still turn to my higher power with help with that. I found I'm a very fear-based person. It it just, it's part part of me. Everything scared me. And I'd been working, you know, here I was, 
fully growed and very capable. And, you know, I was still experiencing a lot of fear. One of my biggest fears was fear of rejection, especially in regards to the opposite sex. Now, I got married the first time, so I wouldn't have to deal with that. Uh How's that? And my higher power took me dancing and brought me face-to-face, nose-to-nose with that fear. You know, I was one of those kids... I babysat. I didn't go to dances because I knew nobody was going to ask me. And I couldn't stand it. I couldn't stand it. So my higher power took me dancing and helped me deal with that fear, of that fear of rejection. And still, I'm, I'm, I've got that. I still, I'm still w- working with that. I, I just have fear. I'm not scared of anything. Right? I mean, there's things to be scared of out there, physical stuff that's real and everything. But I don't live my, I don't really, I'm not really scared of anything in particular, but I still have fear. There's still fear there. And I believe, I've come to believe that that's because I haven't put enough faith in my higher power. If I'm experiencing fear, like I've got to go talk to my husband about something or, um, I'm dealing with something at work that's bothering me. I've got to talk to somebody. Most of the time it comes up when I need to talk to somebody about something difficult. And then it's right in my throat. And I realize that I, I need to spend some time with my higher power in a, in a specific way. And I turn to meditation. I do not have a regular meditation practice, I, but I, I have a, a pol- practice of doing I have p- prayer with me. I try to stay conscious, conscious of all of the aspects that I find with the higher power in my life. My higher power is part of me, but when I'm, when I'm struggling with fear, I use meditation. It helps calm me down. What it does is it takes down the, the anxiety level. There's fear. You know, I've got this fear that I live with. But then anxiety is a different kind of thing. That's a, that physical response to fear. And um, I do that, and I meditate. I've also found that my higher power has helped me through incredible grief. Incredible. I lost my father in February, and... It was, well, most of us have lost loved ones. And so that, that sense of um, just bereavement that somebody has been ripped from me was there. But my higher power saw fit to bring me to my father the day before he died. He was coherent and lucid. He knew I was there. He knew my whole family There were six of us, six of seven of the siblings were there. We held hands standing around his bedside. He was in a medically induced coma, and um, we held hands. My sister looked up at me and said, Would you please sing? And we sang to him. And we sang songs that he sang to us when we were kids, and songs that we knew he loved. 
the, as, as many of the words as we could remember. We, we sang them. My sister's good at that, so she, we, we sang a lot of songs. And my father took his last breath when we were singing the song, I see the moon, the moon sees me. And for me, if that's not evidence of higher power in my life, I don't know what is. Having that experience has made saying goodbye to my father, little by little letting go of my father, especially the bad things, so much easier. This program is a program of spiritual recovery, and we also get emotional and physical recovery. But for me, the spiritual aspect is is the foundation of it. And it's been the foundation since the 12-step program was invented. And I am so pleased to have been able to speak to you today on this topic. And uh, I like the way the committee did it, and they let me pick. So I got to pick it. Thanks very much. Thank you, Julie. Our next speaker is Carrie from Sacramento. Is this thing on? Testing. Hi, everybody. I'm Carrie. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi. Hi. It's nice to see all your lovely faces. You know, I get nervous uh not well I, I still get nervous speaking publicly i used to uh be terrified and um now i i really it is an opportunity to get to every to see everybody you know you guys can't see every, yourselves and i get to see all of you and you're all beautiful you know we're all here doing our best here on a saturday morning bless our heart to learn about spirituality and we're not at ihop so that's that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Um, I'd like to thank my fellow speakers too. Thank you guys. I, I love your shares. Uh, I too um, am in love with this topic. Um, the big book says, you know, keep in mind that uh, our program is spiritual, as evidenced by the twelve steps. And so I've had a I won't say I've had spiritual recovery um, so much. And before I get into that, so let me talk about my numbers. Uh, I came into OA. I'm 37. I, came, I went to my first meeting when I was 18. <clears throat> I was uh, um, catastrophically shy when I, I came in. Uh, and at 18, I weighed, um, I don't know, maybe one... 80 or so, 170, but completely miserable. Um, and I, I, like, I was a, a strong student. I was a big studier. Didn't talk to people. I, I talked to books and um, teachers. Um, didn't talk to the other kids. And so I had this problem with food. And I uh, tried diets that didn't work. And... Uh, I went to the library and looked up, um, like a good student, and looked up eating disorders. And this book popped up about a woman who'd gotten recovery. And 
this thing called Overeaters Anonymous. I thought, wow, that's cool. And there was an 800 number. So I went to my first meeting when I was 18. And it was like a month before I left my parents' house and went came up here for college. And um, so I wasn't really able to... to um, get into the program. I was totally focused on being a successful student and, you know, at this university that I'd spent my whole life getting into and bottomed out in food, ate my way all over campus. I was gained probably five pounds a week. Um, got, you know, got over 200 pounds and I was just a shell, just an empty shell. Um, so today, I uh, through I've been in OA 16 years. I got abstinent, um, really committed to the program when I was 21, April 15th of 1996, and I've not binged on sugar since. I've not had ice cream in 16 years. I've not had Ben and Jerry's in 16 years. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. The, the, and those were my main. I apologize if this bothers you it's just my truth but when I um when I would binge I would I lived in Davis I would drive out to Dixon another town specifically another town so I wouldn't see anybody that I knew and they wouldn't know and uh, I wouldn't feel the hopeless and incomprehensible demoralization nevertheless of course I did um, and I would get Ben and Jerry's, and I would get um, Pop-Tarts, and I'd get a, a log of that raw cookie dough. And I would eat all the Pop-Tarts, eat all the Ben and Jerry's, and then I would try as much as I could of the cookie dough, and then I would pass out, and then I remember throwing half the cookie dough in the garbage, and then the next morning, the hopeless and incomprehensible, nothing's hard. You know, they say we wanted an easier, softer way. For me, this program has been the easier, softer way. Nothing's as hard as getting up the morning after a binge. Ugh. It's just, you know, we're really warriors here. We really are warriors. Don't, don't think you're not. You are. Um, and so I'd get up, and I'd only, I had no God. I had no higher power. I had no resources that I knew of, that I had a relationship with. So all I knew was, I feel awful. I need something to feel better. So I went and dug up the cookie dough in the garbage. So I think some of you guys can relate to that. I love, I love OA. I love my people. Um, so, so I got into, I started going to OA. I, I, uh, thankfully, I dropped out of school, and I got to the business of saving my life, as my therapist said a couple years ago. Um, cool dude. He was in AA for years. I've been really lucky to have all these, so many spiritual teachers over the year, including sponsors, including um, people in this program. Um, so I got to the business of saving my life. And uh, uh, one day at a time, I started a uh, uh, learning about the steps, started getting honest about food, getting honest about my fears, and, and um, looking at my resentments. Do you guys have any of those? <laughs> and I steer, you know, I still, after all these years, there's a lovely man in this program who um, often says when he's sharing, uh, what do I not want to talk about? And I, um, I love that. 
he came up to Sacramento a couple years ago, and he started saying that. I noticed a lot of us in Sacramento started saying that. And it's like, what do I not want to talk about? What I don't want to talk about to you guys is that I've been in blah, blah years, and I've lost blah, blah weight, and I still have these resentments that I, um, you know, take care of and fan and, and do my uh, self, self-righteousness. Um, so I'm, I'm in the right place. I'm in the right place, you know. This is where recovery happens. Can't do it on my own. Don't know how to do that. Don't know how to do that. Don't know how pe- normal people, normal people, are any of us normal? Probably not. Um, healthy people work this, live life without the 12 steps. I just don't get it. Um, and that's why I'm really grateful to have, honestly, to have the disease of compulsive overeating, because there no, there's no way I would have sought God without the incredible pain I was going through. I wouldn't have been like, God, everything's going great. You know, I'm successful. i got successful relationships. I think I'll take up church, or, you know. It's just not, not my way. Um, pain is a great motivator, you know, thank goodness, because, oh, you know, I was just coming here because I couldn't stop eating, and I was 200 pounds, and, you know, um, um, I was miserable, absolutely miserable. And then I got a God out of that. It was, you know, had no idea. As one member says, you know, I just came here to make my butt smaller. Um, <laughs> and I got all this cool stuff out of it. Um, how am I doing on time, Chantel? Here, almost. Okay, thank you. Okay, cool. So I just wanted to qualify for a little, little bit. I'm qualified. Um, I definitely belong here. So I want to talk about spirituality. So um, I think two subtitles I want to talk about my concept of my higher power and then how I seek a relationship with that higher power. Um, and I, I, I want to echo um, Julie, who said that, you know, um, we're just speaking as our own uh, experience with this program, my own experience with my higher power. OA doesn't have, as you know, doesn't have any opinion on religion or spirituality, so take what you like and leave the rest. Or as another member who I adore in this program says, if I say something you like, come and tell me. If I say something you don't like, go tell your sponsor. <laughs> oh, such good advice. It's so good. Um, because when I'm pissed off at somebody, you know, there's something that I need to change. Carrie needs to change. Not the world around me. Not that person. I need to look at what, what's going on here, you know? Um, what, what, what pain am I experiencing? That's really what it is. Not that, you know, the flip say, oh, I'm an asshole. Um, it's, yeah, really, what is going on here? What pain has that person awakened in me? Because when I'm truly spiritually fit, when I see somebody getting pissed off, I can just smile and just have compassion for them, you know, and just know that, oh, I, I've been there. I know they're, they're in pain right now. Thank you, Chantel. Chantel goes to one of my home meetings. I, love, I just love this program. So my concept of God, um, uh, it was suggested to me, and I suggest to sponsees to um, write out... A description of your higher power, what, whether you, what you currently believe about this higher power, what you really want this. I would say more of a want-ed, actually, what you want your higher power to be for you. 
you know, for me, it's um, just the ultimate source of love and strength and wisdom. Um, you know, totally non-judgmental. I can't even say non-judgmental. It's like judgment isn't even a concept that I feel God is even, it's just totally foreign to God for me, that judgment is something little humans do, you know, that God, there's no place for judgment with God. God <laughs> thinks bigger than that. Um, that's just not God's role. Um, so for me, that, that boils down just love, wisdom, strength, the ultimate source of that. Um, Another thing that works, when I first came in, well, I'll say I, I wasn't, I'm grateful, I wasn't rela- uh, raised with really any religious experience so much. We went to church every so often, but it wasn't, it was kind of a non-issue. And I, I'm grateful for that in a sense that um, there wasn't any pain or religious abuse that needed some undoing. That term religious abuse I, I've heard of just within the last um, 10 years about, you know, I, I see people who are raised, like, if you do this, you're going to go hell, go to hell. If you want to sleep with that person, then you're, you're going to go to hell. All that kind of stuff today I see as a, a form of abuse. And so um, I have compassion for those folks. If um, any of you have gone through that or survived that, um, because that's definitely not my concept of God whatsoever. For me, and this is just for me, there, there, there is no hell or place, that thing that I can do that's going to send me there. You know, I, I've, all of us, I feel, experience heaven and hell right here. We've kind of been there, you know. Uh, that's how we got to these rooms. We've all experienced that. And I've experienced heaven in these rooms. Man, like Julie was saying about, you know, seeing the trees and, and the sunlight. And I'm just, because of these 12 steps, that's, I get to experience heaven a piece at a time. And then there's days I'm back there in hell. I've had rough times in this program, really rough times. Um, so, and today I've learned I, that's, that's this beautiful place on earth. It all exists together, you know, within the, Within this building right now, there are people struggling, really struggling, and then there's people experiencing great beauty, and we get to go in and out of that. But thankfully, because of these 12 steps and living this spiritual program, that hopeless and incomprehensible, incomprehensible demoralization I have not experienced in the last 16 years, and that is a direct result from these spiritual concepts that you guys have taught me. So for me, my concept of God, there wasn't any negativity to undo, so that was good. So it just kind of came in neutral, and, um, but non-existent, unfortunately, um, or whatever. It was what it was, and so I had some work to do. And so I started with God was um, a goddess, really. Um, I had to apply gender, and I feel like I, I still have to apply gender to my God. Um, today coming when I first started it was goddess uh, of course female Um, ironically growing up the sanest people in my life were men but last time I checked I'm not a dude and so I needed (laughs) I needed something that I could 
relate to a little more personally. And so I started going to this church. Um, it was very open-minded and progressive thinking, and they loved it. And they called God Mother, Father God. That's cool. Because I love male wisdom and I love female wisdom, and to have both is necessary. And so um, that really worked for me. So to this day, I, I call God formally Mother, Father, God. I shorten it. Nickname is just God. But the formal name, legal name, is Mother, Father, God. <laughs> and that, thank you. Wow. Five minutes. Okay. Cram as much brilliance as I can, you guys. Okay. So, um, so last night I was in the, I was in the musical and I thought, which was a big growing experience to me. And I thought, um, you know, I was nervous, really nervous and had such great support, um, by all, everybody and especially the choreographer and director. And I just felt, you know, you're not going to go up there alone. Mother, father's God, day before. Or maybe yesterday before the musical, I just visualize Mother, Father, God, like lifting my arms and opening my <laughs> mouth, and I just, I just love that—that that I don't have to do anything alone anymore. God, Mother, Father, God is always with me, always, 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 and talks to me very sweetly. That's a, another thing that's helped with my spirituality, is that I will sometimes close my eyes and. Um, imagine what uh, my higher power would say to me. And it's always like, you know what, sweetie? It's going to be okay. I'm going to help you through this, you know? God, I don't want to do any writing on the fourth step, you know? And the truth is I'm really scared. That's okay, sweetie. We'll just do five minutes. Okay. I can do five minutes. That sounds good. Okay, let's get started. Okay. You know, I have that kind of relationship, and it works for me. Um, just love, love, love. Um, but a loving kick in the butt, too, if I need that as well. Um, you know that, uh, that expression, by the grace of God, I never really understood, what does that really mean? Like grace, you know, dance, and that's beautiful. And then I looked up grace, and it means um, unconditional love. So when people say, and then this happened by the unconditional love of God, it's like, wow, yeah. God loves us unconditionally. Unconditionally. I heard a speaker, I'll never forget, at the convention in 96, that God loves me as much as when I have a gun to somebody's head as with when I'm reaching out my hand to a newcomer. And it's, you know, I, I feel like that's, when we're spiritually fit, like I was saying, when someone's, you know, going off and being an asshole and da 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 and I can just look at them and just have compassion and no judgment and just know that it's a cry for love, you know, not endorsing the behavior, but understanding it. And that's, um, that's where forgiveness has come with this program for me. Uh, when I understand the people who have hurt me, who I felt hurt with, I understand it wasn't intentional. Even if they say it was intentional, it's not intentional. They're speaking from their own pain. They're speaking from their own source of self-hatred, um, depending on how severe. And um, when I'm spiritually fed, I, I see that. And it's really hard to resent somebody 
when I see how much pain they're in. You know, if I see somebody in a hospital bed who's shaking, you know, I'm not going to resent that person. I'm going to have compassion. So this program teaches me how to get there. Um, So seeking God meditation has been huge for me, and it's been a struggle. Um, I really didn't start getting, like, having to meditate every day until I quit smoking. (laughs) I was on my knees, and that was in 2005. Thank you. And so, again, God bless pain because it gets me um, to do things. And so meditation has been huge. You know, whatever step we're talking about, I mean, I say, oh, I love this step, I love this step. And so, but 11 step, it's just fantastic. You know, when I slow down and breathe God in, and I close my eyes and I feel Mother God and Father God, and then it's like, it's okay, sweetie, calm down. You know, you don't really, you know, the ego gets smaller and then God gets bigger and then truth comes out. And that's beautiful. I cannot do that on my own. You guys have taught me that. Um, Let's see. Um, So one of my favorite prayers is, you know, I have a hard time with discipline. I don't know if you guys can relate to that. Um, And so one one of my favorite prayers is my sponsors taught me you can give everything to God. You know, I I don't believe in that concept that, you know, I do this. I mean, God does this, but I have to do the footwork. You know, it's it's I do have to do the footwork, but that comes with God, too. I don't have to do that alone. I can say, God, please increase my desire to start writing on my four-step. Common prayer, I don't want to say this out loud, is God, please increase my desire to brush my teeth. I don't want to brush my teeth. <laughs> the end of the night, I just want to go to bed. God, But I want to have teeth in 20 years, you know? So what's worked for me, God, please increase my desire to do what it is. And I, I always get it. And God takes me over to the bathroom, brushes my teeth. So this program works. Thanks, guys. This meeting is now open for three-minute positive pitches. No, it just says three-minute pitches, so positive, <laughs> negative. Sorry, I put that in. Your choice. Um, please, rele- please sign the release form prior to speaking. We ask that you limit your share to three minutes and confine your share to your experience, strength, and hope on the topic discussed today. This session will end at 9.45, so come on up if you want to speak. Thank you. Hi, everyone. My name's Camille. I'm a recovering compulsive overeater. Um, uh, oh, thank you so much. Thank you all so much for your wisdom. I just so appreciate it. and It's just um, it's a wonderful to be here. I just want to share what I do for my spiritual practice every day. Um, I talk to God throughout the day. It works for me continually when I remember to do it. 
The thing that works best for me one day at a time is every morning I establish an intention for myself. My intention today was to come in here with an open heart and to reach out to as many people that I don't know as possible this weekend and to um, just welcome, welcome them here and to um, at least know their first name. And what I do during the day then with my intention is I purposefully, when I remember it, go out of my way to practice it. And in doing that, what it does for me every day is I have to be in touch with God because I don't want to do a lot of my intentions, to be really honest with you, every day. I'd rather just go sit at my desk and get it done, you know. And this way it makes me walk into my, like if I were walking into my job today with an open heart, I would say hello to everybody, even people I can't stand being around. And uh, what it does for me then is it changes who I am. It makes me a softer, more loving person to Camille and then it makes me a softer, more loving person to you. And then I, all of a sudden, feel totally full and complete, <laughs> which is magical to me. And uh, so much of my compulsive overeating was around feeling totally empty. So anything I can do on a daily basis to f- make me feel nourished on a spiritual level just really works for me, for my, uh, my program. So there you have it. Have a good morning. Hi, I'm Suzanne. I'm a recovering compulsive overeater. Hi, Suzanne. It's great to see all your smiling faces. Um, I, uh, I've been in the program 13 years, and I've discovered there's life after food. And um, my higher power has brought me a lot of wonderful things. And a couple of years ago, it brought me the opportunity to sing. I grew up believing that I couldn't sing. I didn't sing for except to me in the shower because I have a good head for lyrics. And uh, I got, somebody saw the desire who was in a position to say, come sing with us. And um, this is a great joy to me. And I feel like what's happened in OA is I picked up a string and I follow it, and I don't know where it will go. I wasn't looking to sing. I wasn't looking to sing in front of people. I wasn't looking for a church, but the singing found me a church that has what I want in, in terms of my beliefs about helping the world and blah, 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 a side issue. But... What I've found in that is that if I am open, my higher power leads me in ways that I don't expect that make my life richer, that make me a better person, that allow me to help people. And um, I guess that's what faith is, is believing that that string is going to pull me, or not pull me, I have to follow it, that string is going to lead me to unbelievable places where the promises come true. So um, I encourage you to follow wherever your string, your higher power has out there um, and, and leads you. Thanks. Hi, I'm Jerry, and I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, Jerry. In a I have a God that reminds me every day, I am enough, I have enough, I do enough. And uh, I wanted to thank our panel. Um, 
because they let me know that I still have some work to do. <laughs> and uh, I really wanted to thank you for the mother-father God. Um, because of OA, I have a loving relationship with my children, and it wouldn't have been possible except for the women in this room that reminded me I needed to be in my daughter's life. Um, And I wanted to say that the reason it's important to me is it gives me another thing I can talk to my daughter about. And because now, because when we talk about God, she always says, well, you know, God, or you know, Dad, God created man just because she needed some entertainment. And then she put woman in his life to square him away. But, <clears throat> so I just wanted to thank you for that because that was really loving, the uh, mother, father, God. I, I really appreciated that. And I appreciate the entire panel to help me, to remind me that it's about the work I do and God will give me the strength to do it. And, <clears throat> and I need to say that because I went into a meeting once and every, uh, the speaker closed with, I just want you to know that I love each and every one of you unconditionally. And if no one told you I love you today, I will. I love you. So we have time for one more person. Does someone else want to share? Hi, my name is Nancy. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, Nancy. And um, I really appreciate the panel as well. And I came specifically to this uh, session because when I came to the program, the physical recovery came very easily for me. Um, And um, the emotional stuff that happened to me um, after I got the physical recovery kind of derailed me for a short while, and and it was the spiritual recovery that brought me back. And I often find, I like the practical things that you guys um, mentioned, because um, what happens to me is, when I first got in the program, um, I got those spirit, I got the toolkit and I used them because I was so desperate. But when I became less desperate, then I'm like, oh, everything's fine. And then I go to back kind of leaning towards my old behavior and I think, well, why am I unhappy again? There was a lot of talk about being, when we're unhappy. And um, why am I unhappy? I'm totally the way I want to look now. I mean, I should be, this is, this is what I've been wanting. And I was just unhappy. And it always comes back to what my sponsor has to keep telling me over and over again, reminding me, because I have a, a broken thinker, a broken, you know, broken brain, an insane brain. And she always has to remind me, well, have you taken it to your higher power? Have you had that conversation with your higher power? Have you communicated with your higher power? And then I want it right away. And she's like, it's okay. It, sometimes it takes time. And so to have patience. And then when I realize that's what I need to do and I do it, I get happy again. And then lo and behold, about a week later, I'm like miserable because I forgot again. So it's really important to come to these places and to come to meetings and to talk to other people in recovery because I need that, that reminder. And my higher power speaks directly to me through the people in these rooms. If I wasn't engaged and in, in coming to listen to people share, then I, I'd be in isolation. I'm a big isolation person, and I would never get the voice of my higher power speaks to me through you all. 
And so, um, you know, I just have to keep getting reminded. I have a good forgetter. That's what it is. It's a broken, remind, it's a broken remember. And so I just have to get, when I want to be happy, the way I be happy is I make connection with my higher power and I align my will with God's will. And then things go a lot smoother for me. So thank you for the practical suggestions and, and things that you had to say. I really appreciate it.